0: this is called the Triumphs and
1: Troubles, um, and it's about the, yeah, about the life of King David as a king. As a king, right. So You know, we'll probably reference stuff that happened before he was a king, um, but we're going to look at David's life for that. I know um, I might be, not be the only one with bad eyes Because Mr. Horace told me this morning He thought that said Trump's troubles I said <laughs> we're not having a Bible study about that We're not <laughs> yeah. doing that But no, triumphs no. and troubles No, no. <laughs> um, So let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 5 uh, That's where we'll be um, this evening As we um, study a few things about this And I wasn't here of course last week I was in Cubby So I know Tommy kicked this off But 2 Samuel 5 And um, I guess I'll start with opening a question. Opening question for you. How does this world? What are different ways this world defines success as? How does this world define success? Sometimes, money, being wealthy, having a lot of money. Mm -hmm. All right. How else? Uh, A lot of power. mm. Sometimes those are connected. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Possessions. get, Get what you can while you're here. That's right. That's how this world defines it. Anybody else? Being beautiful, I'm in trouble.
0: Uh,
1: but yeah, those are. Uh, now, what about a Christian? Is or should the definition of success be different for a Jesus follower? Of Co- course, mm-hmm. it's pretty much different than all those things. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you. Uh, played board games as a kid. If you ever played, they made. They used the example in our Bible study of, of a newer one called Settlers of Catan. Yeah, we played that. Do you yeah. all play that? We have that one. It's yeah. kind of like. A, it's a new version of risk with a lot more rules. And a
0: lot and faster. It's
1: faster. It's like it Monopoly
0: is. and risk, but faster.
1: Yeah, well, it depends who you're playing with. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes with Tom, <laughs> it's not as fast.
0: But, uh, but
1: uh, it, it's kind of like uh, you're setting up a kingdom. Mm. So kind of like the board game rescue. You're you're setting up a kingdom. Uh, or maybe it's not a board game. Maybe it's a, a computer phone type of thing like uh, a simulation game. Yeah. They have a lot of them mm. on, on phones and stuff like that. But here in Second Samuel chapter 5, David is setting up his kingdom. All right. Uh, I'm guessing he was anointed king. Um, mm. And um, it was a, a long wait time. Think about when God took him as a shepherd boy, probably teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and God anointed him way back then, yeah. uh, till this period, probably around 15 to 20 years,
0: mm-hmm. from the
1: time where he was anointed king, and then he had to wait for um, God to be done with King Saul. Yeah. Uh, and then this actually David to actually become, first of all, king of Judah mm-hmm. and, and then eventually king of all, uh, all of Israel. But I, yeah. I think it's probably good for us to um, read. The whole chapter, just to get the context, and I'll do that. Um, David made king of Israel. So then came all the tribes of Israel to David unto Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, thou wast he that leddest us out and brought us in, Israel. And the Lord said to thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain. Over Israel, So all the elders of Israel came to the king, to Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. And David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all of Israel and Judah. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem unto the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither, thinking David cannot come in hither. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. Uh, the same as the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. And Hiram, the king of Tyre, sent messengers to David. "'and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, "'and they built David a house. "'And David perceived that the Lord "'had established him king over Israel "'and that he had exalted his kingdom "'for his people Israel's sake. "'And David took him more concubines "'and wives out of Jerusalem "'after he was come from Hebron. "'And there were yet sons and daughters "'born to David. "'And these be the names of those "'that were born unto him in Jerusalem, "'Shemua and Shobab and Nathan and Solomon.' Ebar also, and Elishua, and Nepheg, and Japhia, and Elishema, and Eliada, and Eliphelet. But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, and all the Philistines came up to seek David, and David heard of it, he went down into the hole. And the Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, go up For I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there. And he said, The Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before me as a breach of waters. And therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up. But fetch a compass behind them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be, when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so, as the Lord had commanded him. And he smote the Philistines from Geba, until thou come to Gaza. Well, all right. So um, three big sections in there, yeah. like three different mm-hmm. things that are being talked about. First yeah. of all, David unites the kingdom, and he makes Jerusalem the capital. Mm-hmm. And then um, we talk about David's wives and concubines, and there at the end, verse 17, 25, David, uh, we, he's got a Philistine problem once again. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the first section, verses 1 to 12. This is where David unites the kingdom, uh, and he also makes Jerusalem, the, the city of Jerusalem, its capital. Um, Whenever there's a change in governments, there's always at least a threat for something to go wrong or the potential uh, for things to get a little unruly. Uh, that's happened in the first four chapters of mm-hmm. Second Samuel. Um, not everybody thought David was the greatest thing ever, yeah. especially uh, people from the tribe of Benjamin and mm-hmm. especially some of Saul's family. And is that what you all kind yeah, of dealt we talked with last about week? That
0: last week, there was uh, one young son that didn't go out into that battle that we talked about at the end of First Samuel. Uh, and ish was his name, and he was still alive. He was a younger son, and Abner, who was like a cousin mm-hmm. of Saul, made him the king over Israel, the, the other tribes except for Judah and um, that, that area where David mm-hmm. was. So that was, he was a king, and David was a king at the same time.
1: So. so, yeah, some of Saul's family and some other Israelites who supported Saul, they caused some, caused some problems, mm-hmm. um, but, but ultimately their attempted rebellion uh, was put down. Who had anointed David way back 15 years earlier? Samuel, Mm -hmm. because God told him to, right? So David was going to be king, no matter what anybody um, tried to do otherwise. Verse Mm -hmm. one says that all of the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron. And and they here they're voicing their support of him being king. Mm -hmm. Uh, Verses two and three of chapter five here, the leaders of Israel's twelve tribes, they all publicly testify David's skill. Uh, an experience. They're like, you know what? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense yeah. that God would choose you to be king. You're the one who um, defeated Goliath. That's how your whole you know, career kind of started as right. a military man. And, and you're the one that even under Saul, you went in and out. You were the one who, it wasn't Saul who led the Israelite armies to victory. Uh, it, was, it was David. Right. And, um, and so David and, and these leaders of the 12 tribes, they covenant together and he's anointed by them uh, yeah. to be king yeah. now. This is a public anointing. Yeah. So it's very different than that first one that happened in David's house mm-hmm. 15, 20 years earlier, for mm-hmm. uh, Samuel 16, that was in the midst of his brothers, but yeah. nobody else knew David was king at yeah. that anointing. This one's very different. Mm-hmm. And so verses four and five, they give us kind of a cliff note summary of uh, King David's reign, yeah. how long it was, uh, before we get into the specifics in the verses that follow. So David reigned 40 years. He was anointed uh, here when he was 30 years old. He became king of both, um, well, all of Israel, not just Judah, um, mm-hmm. when he was 30 years old. And then he would have been 70 at the end of his reign, because it says that he uh, ruled 40 years. Yeah. Um, and here he's gained the support of all Israel.
0: Yeah. And this would be the third time he's been anointed, actually. <clears throat> yeah. Because he was anointed the, the leaders of Judah anointed, anointed him, him, and then he coursed Samuel, and then so now this yeah. is the third time. So each of those times, I think they had a. It had to be a specific time and a specific place. It mm-hmm. had to be the right timing, as we kind of talked a little bit about last week. There, that God uh, had a right time for everything to happen, and, and waiting on God's uh, mm. opportunities there for Him. To yeah, do David that. had to wait. He had united, you know, he had to wait, but he was waiting patiently on God's yep. God's will and way
1: to see God work and work mm-hmm. all of this out. And, yeah. and God did that here. Uh, And so verses 6 to 12, they they tell us about, they teach us about David capturing the city of Jerusalem. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of weird because we always think of that as the capital of Israel, but at the time of Saul, not necessarily so, not where the palace was. Um, And and when David is king, now he's not there. Um, He's anointed in in Hebron. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so um, the city up to this point had been under the control of the Jebusites and God's people, Israel, when they went in to conquer the land of Canaan. God had, under Joshua, you know, God had told them to wipe out everybody that was in there, all the Canaanites that were there. Mm -hmm. Well, this is one of those areas where they didn't, didn't do what God said uh, right. completely, and so here in Jerusalem, the Jebusites, they viewed themselves as the original inhabitants of the land. They're like, no, we're not leaving, and they, they kind of mockingly, uh, in verse 6, they mocked David and his approaching army, uh, telling him that, like, look, uh, even the lame and blind that are within our city, we could defend it from you, David. Yeah, and, um,
0: yeah. well, nobody had ever really taken the city. No. I mean, the Israelites didn't, but even before that, even before the conquest and before that, it had been a stronghold for a, many years. Yeah, it was a tough city. Years, so it was a tough city to get. And,
1: and David even kind of says that, um, you know, um, it's, it, we're informed that he does do mm-hmm. that. It says in verse 7, David took the stronghold of Zion. That's another name for Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, the city of David, another name. Um, so why Jerusalem. So, David, there's a little thing there. I think King James was kind of used a funny term, uh, sending up a gutter. Basically, they, they had somebody infiltrate by going up like a sewer system, a waterway, yeah, an water aqueduct. Pipe, yeah. And that's how mm-hmm. they got David said, Hey, whoever goes in there, I'll make you the chief and captain of my army. Mm-hmm. And somebody did. And, and they were victorious. But why, why Jerusalem? Why uh, does David want to capture the city and make it the capital of Israel? What do you think? Well, if you, if you look at Israel, even the maps in the back of your Bible, I mean, Jerusalem's kind of central. Mm-hmm. It's right in the middle of, of the country for the most part, uh, at, especially at that time. And, right. Um, not, not as much today. It's more on the eastern side. But um, under Solomon and under David's reign, was a much larger section. And so it wouldn't make sense to put the capital of the country centrally located um, definitely more than in Hebron, right. having Hebron as the capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also further away from the Philistines, who were the main army. So yep. you don't want your capital falling um, to an invading army. But I think most importantly, David, um, him finally conquering the city and him finally removing the Jebusites, it would be a testimony to the people of Israel that. Their new king is obeying God's direction. Yeah. It might have taken generations, hundreds of years. Right. I mean, back in Joshua, they were supposed to kick everybody out and they did it. But we're going to do what God said to do. Mm-hmm.
0: And he, he does that here. Mm. Um, yeah, And it's a neutral territory too. I mean, it's not, since it's still owned by the Jebusites up mm, until this point, yeah. it's not an Israelite city and it's not a Philistine. Judah city, a yeah. Philistine, yeah. it's just a city. And then it's not in any them. tribe. It's not in any yeah. tribe. It's that's still not even possessed by them. So. That's a
1: good point. Mm-hmm. Um, verses 6 to 8, they're a pretty brief description there of David and his army conquering the city. But um, it seems like, just like in prior military events, David allowed the mocking done by his enemies to... Uh, motivate him, Mm -hmm. his soldiers, uh, to victory. And verse 9 tells us that after the victory, David dwelt um, I think New King James' stronghold. uh, Verse 9, the fort uh, in the King James Version. So meaning that where he stayed, this is your palace now, it's a military barracks. Like a a well-defended fortress, stronghold. um, And uh, that's where his temporary palace is for the time being. And, And David's whole world has really dramatically changed over a few years, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I you think about like He's, he's king now yep. of everything. He's been king in Judah for seven years. But, I mean, you probably don't feel like king when 11 out of 12 tribes aren't supporting you. Right, right? yeah. And, <laughs> and then, but before even that, he's running from Saul. Mm-hmm. I mean, his life is, in the, in the most recent time, um, he's lost a really good friend, hasn't he? Jonathan has died, Mm -hmm. and even Saul. I mean, David didn't hate Saul, um, and he saw Saul and and Jonathan die. Uh, Life has really changed. He went from running from Saul, who was trying to kill him for years, to finally, finally, David is king. What God Mm -hmm. had promised 20 years earlier is is reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And now the kingdom is united, and Jerusalem's been conquered, and we're going to find out in the verses ahead Uh, that a beautiful palace is going to be gifted to uh, David. Mm -hmm. And and what is the cause of all this blessing, do you think? Is it just, well, wow, that's a turn of good luck. It's about time. What does verse 10 tell us is the cause? Tommy, you can read that for us again, verse 10.
0: Yeah, verse 10 says, And David went on, and how great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him, Yeah, and grew great, sorry.
1: David went on and grew great. So Mm -hmm. what is the cause of all this blessing? God was with him, mm-hmm. right? That God, God was with David, meaning yeah. God was leading him. Mm-hmm. And he was listening and following. And God was uh, providing for him. Mm-hmm. And God was strengthening him and encouraging him. Yep. And um, David was with God. You no, know, It's good. We want God with us, but we also need to be with God too, right? Mm-hmm. David was with God. He was listening to the Lord. He was following God's leading. Yeah.
0: And he was and, praising
1: God for his provision.
0: Yeah, and, and his obedience too In in starting, you know, I mean... The Jebusite city there also, like you had said, it was mm. supposed to have already been taken. It was supposed to have already been kicked out, but yeah. they never did. So, you know, establishing <laughs> one of the very first things he does over all of Israel is his obedience. You know, I think God is also blessing and rewarding the obedience that David is beginning his kingdom with uh, by, by going back to those ancient things mm. that that, he was, that they were told to do. And now uh, going forward in obedience.
1: I think the people saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people of Israel that David led, they could recognize, well, this is different. Mm -hmm. God is treating us different now than he did under Saul, (laughs) who wasn't um, following God and who God wasn't with. I mean, God had literally left Saul, you know. Um, And um, God's hand of blessing also apparent to um, people from nearby kingdoms. If you look at verses 11 and 12, uh, it talks about how Hiram, the king of Tyre, so up in Phoenicia, Tyre and Sidon, Um, He sent materials, and he sent actually the craftsmen to to build a palace for King David. And um, verse 12, right, it says, And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom, that God had exalted David's kingdom for his people Israel's sake. And I think that just reinforces a point in verse 10, that God was with David. And that's why. Verse 12 tells us, uh, why God did this. And that even David now, David's, listen, when, when a foreign nation comes to you and they're like, hey, can I build you a palace? I mean, you didn't, yeah. you didn't ask for that. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're recognizing that the hand of God is on you. David perceived, it says there in verse 12, that the Lord had established him king over Israel. Um, so what's David's mindset according to that verse? Does it want of confidence? I think so. Like he's, he's confident that God is with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what verse 12 is saying. I, David's like, wow, um, the Lord's established me, king over Israel. What he promised me all that time ago, he's finally done it. Mm-hmm. Not in the way I would have had, not in the time I would have had, but he's, he's done it. And um, he, he's exalted my kingdom to the point where foreign nations are, are, are giving me things and blessing me. Yep. Uh, and he's doing it for um, his people, Israel's sake. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think... Um, that makes David, and would make us want to be living for the Lord and want to be following God's leading more than ever. That's why God blesses us. He wants mm-hmm. us to stay in that, uh, that blessing. And I think that's what this verse is talking about. Please notice, David doesn't make any claim here about how God had rewarded him with all the blessing because he was faithful, but because God was faithful. That's yeah. what he says in verse 12. Because God was faithful um, to to the promise that he had given to David and God was faithful to his people. Yep. It says for God's people, Israel's sake. That's why God had done all of this because God was good and faithful to his people. All right, so then verses 13 and 16, let's talk about David's wives and, and concubines. The verse, they, they give us a short little family history, a little family tree pictured here. Um, we find out David had multiple wives and concubines and as a result, he got a lot of kids. Um, I do want to go to Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 to 17. Now, Tommy, read that. Um, because we, we do need to find out, is this, is this what we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> is this what David's supposed to be doing, what's described here? Deuteronomy 17, uh, 14 to 17. Long before David, this was God's command to his people.
0: It says there, When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, uh, him king over thee whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall henceforth return no more to that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold.
1: Alright. So this is like centuries before Israel would even have a king. Mm-hmm. They don't have a king here. They got Moses. Moses is about to lead them into Canaan. Joshua mm-hmm. would be the next leader after Moses. They don't even have a king. Yeah. Then we have judges really right now. So Moses and, right. and Joshua. Right, and um, the leaders of their tribes, but uh, God tells them, "Hey, you're going to get in the land one day, and you're going to want a king and be like everybody else." Yeah, I know that's what's going to happen, and mm-hmm. that's sure enough, that's what happened, right? That's what happened? They, yeah. they got well. We're tired of Samuel, and we're tired of this. We want a king just like everybody else. Let's and got they got Saul,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not a good choice. That Which didn't is, well yeah. work out well.
0: Which is not a choice of God.
1: <laughs> not the choice of God. It yeah. was a choice of them, right? And um, and then finally they get David, who is the man yeah, a man after God's, God's own God. choosing, mm-hmm. right? But um, here God tells him, like, look, when you get a king, it needs to be an Israelite. You you don't need to be getting a king who's not one of y'all. And um, he should not be multiplying horses, like, you know, be concerned about money, silver, gold. He should not be telling the people to return toward Egypt, um, making alliances with them. And then verse 17, neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Why not? Because it will turn his heart away. Because at that time, the... The wives that if you're a king, you're going to be marrying the daughter of a nearby king, so mm-hmm. you have an alliance. Yep. They don't believe what you believe. Yep. They don't worship the god you worship. They worship idols. And what's going to happen? Your heart is going to be turned away, all right. right? And that's why what, mm-hmm. what God had told us. So um, in what's described back in Second Samuel, now five thirteen to sixteen, David's got all these wives and concubines. Is David disregarding God's word? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not perfect. Man after God's own heart. He's multiplying wives. So is David going against God's instruction for kings? Yeah. Is David sinning? Yeah. 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 Um, was this a common thing in that part of the world? Yeah. In that culture, that that's what kings would do. Um, ha- having multiple wives and, and the treaties, the alliances that would come from them made logical sense, made rational sense. I mean, right. this worked well uh, for diplomacy and stuff like that. But again, why does God say not to do it back there in deuteronomy seventeen seventeen and God, God just doesn 't issue out orders to restrict us like haphazardly or without intent mm-hmm. he, he told us there don 't do that don 't multiply wives to yourself because your heart will turn away mm-hmm. these These wives would be coming from people who <laughs> Uh, were not God's people. They had different gods. They had different uh, worship, different
0: values, maybe no values. Yeah. And they would turn David's heart away from God. Mm-hmm. And that's something that can still be for us today. Not not wives and multiplying things yeah. like that. But there are things in our culture that yeah. can become distractions for us, turning away, uh, our hearts away from mm-hmm. following God as well, if we're not careful. that Like you said, you know, you said it makes rational sense for them to do this in a mm-hmm. treaty sense. Well, you know, sometimes we and our in our society, they would say, well, this is what the culture does, or this makes rational Everybody's doing it. everybody's yeah. doing it. And it can also turn our hearts away from following God. So.
1: Exactly. Um, and they would turn David's heart away from God. Do we have record of that, of David's heart being turned away? In Scripture, we do. Mm. Um, I mean, that's why this doesn't say triumphs. Only. It says <laughs> triumphs and troubles, yeah. <laughs> because there are troubles because David's heart was turned away from God. Um, and we'll point to some of those in the weeks ahead, that mm-hmm. we could probably link David's disobedience to God's command right here to those specifically. Right. Uh, David was going to have a son named Solomon that was going to be the next king, the one who follows him. And, and sadly, sure enough, Solomon followed David in this sin. Mm-hmm. He had a bunch of wives and yeah. concubines, and they, they very much did turn his heart away and then Israel's heart away from worshiping the Lord alone. And so the point I want to stress to you is that when God warns us that there's going to be consequences for our our disobedience, um, it's entirely possible that we might not, you know what, we might not even face all those consequences. We might think in a sense like, oh, maybe I got away with it or or God was merciful to me. And yet those consequences fall on our children. Yeah. They fall on our grandchildren uh, generations later. Mm -hmm. And, um, got little eyes that are watching us that are learning from us and they end up you know experiencing the consequences of uh, of what of sin and it's never worth it let's go on to verses 17 to 25 that close out this chapter um david's philistine problem he always had a philistine problem didn't he has kind of started out goliath was his philistine problem and um his path to being king kind of began there um, and even when David was running from Saul in the decades prior to him becoming a king, um, sometimes the Philistines were David's allies. Mm-hmm. Like There were times when, I guess, the enemy of your, or your friend, how does that go? The enemy of if my you're enemy. If you both got the same friend. enemy, right? Yeah, yeah, your friend. And um, so Saul was their both enemy. And sometimes, um, sometimes they were David's enemies during that time. There was mm-hmm. times when they would ransack cities where David and his, his men and his family were living. And they were a problem to him. Verses 17 to 18. Um, They learn David's now the new king. Mm -hmm. And like all tyrannical, crazy regime type leaders, they want to test the new leader. What's he going to be like? What's his response going to be? Uh, What kind of resolve will he have? Can we walk all over him? And so they begin moving soldiers to the Valley of Rephaim, threatening David's uh, position, threatening Israel. And then what does David do in verse 19? What does it say he does in verse 19? He inquired of the Lord. That's always a good mm-hmm. thing to do, yep. uh, when, especially when you're under attack. Um, and I do. I wonder what our country would be like if our leaders would do that. Mm-hmm. That would be their first thing, to inquire yeah. of the Lord, to yeah. pray about everything, and then obey what God says. Right. Uh, but let me read verses 20 and 21 again. It says, And David came to Baal-perazim, and, and uh, David smote them there, and said, The Lord has broken forth upon my enemies before me as a breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned, uh, burned them. Mm-hmm. So who does David give credit to for this victory? the Lord, right? He's saying, and God broke, the Lord broke forth upon my enemies. Yep. Um, And then in verse 21, he he further gives glory to God by destroying and burning all the -hmm. false idols, the, the Philistine gods that they left behind. Yeah. And it doesn't solve the problem just yet because they come back against David for a rematch uh, in the same place, actually. And so, again, in verse 23, he goes to God and he inquires, should I go up against them? Are you going to give us victory? And this time, God's uh, instruction is a little bit different. He tells David, circle around them hmm. and ambush them from the rear. King James, I think, says mulberry trees. Mulberry, yeah. May willow or something else in yeah. modern versions. Um, juniper, maybe. Yeah, juniper. You'll be, you're, um, God tells David that, like, look, when you hear what sounds like wind blowing in the top, that's time to attack. Yeah, right? You're going to surprise attack them. And that's what David obeys, what God told him to do. And the Philistine army, finally, they're, like, driven mm-hmm. back and well deep into their borders. Yeah. And they have peace. David pretty much has peace from this from time. On, yeah. Even through Solomon's reign, there's no more of these, like, constant attacks mm-hmm. uh, from the Philistines. Yeah. So God God had taught David something right here at the beginning of his reign as king. Uh, success will only come our way when God is with us. Yeah. And David knew that from uh, his encounter with Goliath decades earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think David knew that from his protection for those 15, 20 years when he had been anointed king, but he wasn't king yet. And Saul was chasing him and trying to kill him. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and then here, I think David knows that here. It's very much confirmed that... That, look, um, success will only come when God is, is with us. Yeah.
0: And David's continuing his trend still, too, of he's waiting on the Lord. He's asking, what should I do, you know, and, and waiting on that time and wait for that instruction. And then when he receives that instruction, he's following it completely. He's not just, mm. you know, like uh, making excuses like Saul, for example. You know, he received instruction from the Lord a lot, but he decided to do his own thing in many ways uh, and didn't follow 100%. Mm. You know, uh, what God had told him to do uh, and did not have success. And the Lord left Saul. But David here, is, he says, okay, what does God want me to do? I'm going to seek him first. I'm going to obey the instructions. I'm going to obey them completely. You know, God says, wait for the wind to come in the trees. I'm going to wait until the wind comes in the trees. Specifically. Specifically. This is what I got to do. It. So I'm going to do it.
1: And it might not have made sense. Might have made sense. Might not have made sense. But David yeah. did it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And I think that I th- one overarching theme that we've got here, I, th- I think in this passage, that at least is celebrated is David is given all glory to God mm-hmm. for everything,
0: yeah
1: um, again, not in the sin with the wives and concubines type of deal, right. but like for making him king, I mean that that was repeated mm-hmm. throughout this chapter, um, yeah. even as testimony, God broke forth on my enemies mm-hmm. and the Philistines, but earlier. Wow the Lord's been with me, and that's why yeah. he's, been, he's been blessing me, and then David perceived that the God was with him, and he, that's why he exalted. He's like, I, I'm, He's doing it. God's exalting me to be a blessing to His people. God's exalting my kingdom so that I can bless uh, His people. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really um, just a great example of, of how we need to do that very same thing. Everything we have is from God. Right. Anything good we have is from the Lord. It's not mm-hmm. our, our doing. And the opposite of that would be thinking it is. It, it would be pride. Right. Um, not, not acknowledging that everything we have, everything we do, everything we are is from God. Mm-hmm. And when we fall into that, boy, that's, um, that's a dangerous thing. We've, we've got plenty of examples. I was just yep. reading my devotions uh, in Genesis. I mean, that was a problem with the Tower of Babylon and the king at that time, Nimrod. And he said, let's make a name for ourselves. Yeah. Well, Wasn't cared about God and God's glory. He wanted to make a name for ourselves. And then, of course, we know God judged them. Um, even faithful people. I mean, Moses at the rock the second time. You know, what did he do? He got mad at these. They're like, and I understand. Like, he had told God's people. They had seen God provide water from the rock. And they're there complaining, why has God let us out in this desert just to kill us again? And we're going to drown. And Moses just gets frustrated. He says, must I bring water out of this rock for you? Did Moses do it? Mm. And God says, "You're done. You're not going into the Promised Land because of pride. That one, one, that one instance of pride." Mm-hmm. Um, Hezekiah in Second Kings, like, I mean, um, he got sick; he was going to die, and and Isaiah was supposed to go to him and say, "Hey, to set your house in order," and he repents, and God says, "Well, I'll give you some more time." <laughs> it says that he he got full of pride and he, he said, he invited Babylon, the leaders of Babylon to come and gave him a big tour of like the whole, he said, look at what I've got. Look at all this money we got in the, and then five years later they invaded because he basically showed him him the hen house, right? Right, right. (laughs) Took the fox in there. And it's just like pride does this this stupid, Herod in Acts two, I think of King Herod. And Mm -hmm. you remember, um, he was threatening to kill Peter and he killed James trying to kill Peter and John. And he went out there and Uh, This is a great grandson of Herod from Bethlehem, right? And uh, he gave a speech and people said, oh, it's a voice of God. And he didn't do anything about it. And he fell dead and worms came out, like that instance. God God takes pride very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, here we've got this great passage where David gives all glory to God throughout Mm -hmm. here for for what he has done. And even the military victories Mm -hmm. uh, as a result of David seeking uh, God's will, and then obeying it. God blessed him, and God used him to bless others, yeah. and... Um,
0: I think you see that in David's life. You see that in the Psalms, when, you, when you've been hmm. taking us through that on Wednesday nights, you know, and, and the ones that David wrote, he's very concerned about the glory of God. He's very concerned about giving hmm. God the glory and, and that he has the honor for that, and, and when David does mess up, he's very quick to repent as well, Yeah, you know, because he recognizes he's, I want God to have the glory, I want God to have the honor.
1: Yeah, I think in one of the Psalms, that's how it starts, not to us, O Lord, mm-hmm. not to us be it glory, but to you and to your namesake and because of your mercy toward us. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in was teaching about the vine and branches. I, I mentioned this this morning in John 15. Jesus tells us, without me, you can do nothing. Right. And the opposite is true as well. But with Christ, there's nothing that is too hard for us to do with Christ. And David knew that. I mean, he saw God... Um, help him defeat Goliath. He mm-hmm. saw God protect him for decades while he was waiting to become king. Supernaturally, God protect him. Right. And, and he saw God finally come through on his promise. And he wanted to give God all the glory for that success. So I just encourage you tonight, consider one area of your life where you sometimes might struggle to follow God's direction, mm-hmm. like David does here. Yeah. Um, like, well, I don't know if that makes sense. and uh, But but do we have a God who's worthy of that kind of trust? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, he's been faithful every other time. Yep. You know? So consider one area of that and, and tell God tonight that you want to overcome that uh, for his glory. And then right. each day this week, ask him, Lord, help me. Help me to overcome that, that area where I doubt you or where I'm prone to maybe resort to pride. Mm-hmm. And um, help me to seek, help me submit to your will for my life.